listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we take on movie universes. This episode, we are discussing the 2016 film Captain America Civil War, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Spoiler warning for this film, as well as the first 12 MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what are your thoughts on Cap 3? Whew, man, this one was heavy, isn't it? Um, I gotta say, this is the one I was most excited for in, in real time. Um, mostly due to the comics and, and all that that we'll, we'll probably get into, but... Man, this was a doozy. I, I expected this one to be an Avengers film because it's so big and so impactful. But uh, yeah. What about you? First time. I really enjoyed it. I did text you before the first viewing when I saw the runtime and I was like, oh no, two and a half hours. But I think it fills the runtime well and there's nothing like wasted in the film. It didn't feel like to drag or it didn't feel too long while watching it but i think that overall runtime was a little bit daunting there at the beginning mm-hmm. but it it definitely had like my favorite hawkeye so far oh yeah i really enjoyed hawkeye in this one and i had not enjoyed him in anything previous to this so plus for him i loved loved the ant-man stuff probably my favorite stuff of the <laughs> film is the scott lang stuff this felt much more like an avengers film than like the previous two cap films mm-hmm because we've got all of them, you know. We've got so many characters. Exactly. And it felt almost like an extension of Age of Ultron. It really focused around that aftermath specifically and a lot mm-hmm. of the people involved in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. That was... It really does feel like Avengers Age of Ultron 2, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It does take place like a year after, but it really feels like it's right after Sokovia. But you can tell that the world is definitely reeling from the events of Ultron. Yeah, it even starts there with the stuff in Lagos where, again, the death toll that the Avengers and surrounding superheroes have caused is getting to a boiling point with people to where they're considered maybe a threat themselves as much as they're trying to help. Yes, definitely. Why isn't Tony taking the majority of the blame with Sokovia being the creator of Ultron? I feel like they just kind of blame everybody evenly, and Tony is even a little antagonistic against the rest of the group when they could really just be like, you created Ultron, bro. Like We, we just cleaned up your mess. Right. I, I could see how... So I could see the Avengers or the, the people within the Avengers doing that but i wonder how much is publicly known about ultron's conception or inception that's what i thought as well that the public at large just blames them as a group but i thought like specifically there should be a conversation between the group you know kind of confronting that point yeah that a lot of the time it's tony meddling with things that causes a lot of these problems yes that's that's also true i think tony's what what tony would lean back on is just the fact that he was trying to create Ultron, but he didn't actually. We talked about it a bit in, in the Ultron movie, but it's really the staff, the power of the staff, the Mind Stone, that kind of does it. You know, Bruce and Tony were on the way, but weren't, weren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it gets out of control as AI is uh, 
thought to do by, you know, it, you know, art, artificial intelligence is designed to learn and adapt and improve. So once it got a little bit of steam, it just took itself to the next level. And here we are with Ultron. But yeah, you're right that Tony doesn't seem to be taking a ton of personal blame. I think he holds a lot of personal guilt with it, as we see, um, you know. Definitely. But um, yeah, it, it is surprising that the Avengers haven't kind of turned on him. <laughs> and I get it. For the dynamic of the film, he can't be like the singular villain mm-hmm. of the whole situation. They all have some sort of the blame to handle. You know, it could have been maybe handled better or I don't know. They seem to be at least looking inward instead of blaming. And specific, specifically Steve. Mm-hmm. He, you know, is like, if we just sign this accord, we're just shifting the blame. So yep. the only other thing I have to touch on is Peggy passed away. Yep. RIP to Peggy. And we learned that the agent that was spying on Steve in the Winter Soldier is her niece. Yes. Very cool. Sharon Carter. Yep. Very sad scene. But then they're in the middle of this argument. Steve gets that text and just pieces out <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like i gotta go and yeah gotta understandably go. uh that the funeral scene that the speech she gives that it's basically peggy's speech but sharon's delivering it uh it very moving and obviously t- uh, well thematically ties into the movie the whole um plant yourself like a tree and say no you move that whole thing is that's basically what cap's whole argument is this whole time is like i'm right you nothing you can do can make me go to your side on this yeah she has that compromise where you can where you can't don't yes exactly okay we'll get into our six infinity stones here in one second after we hear a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by mammoth cooler mammoth cooler makes professional grade coolers drinkware and more they are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip, or a really long wait at the airport because superheroes are blowing up everything outside. Their hard shell cooler line includes the Cruiser 15 cooler. The Cruiser 15 is a low cost, light duty cooler, roto molded and built with all of the features of a heavy duty cooler. Weighing only eight pounds, the Cruiser 15 is light enough to be handled easily on any excursion and with ice retention lasting longer than two days, you'll be prepared for anything your adventure throws your way. Even an Ant-Man growing to the size of a building or a teenager showing up and spinning spider webs, you'll be ready. All Mammoth Coolers are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. Use the promo code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, welcome back. Our six infinity stones for the film. First stone, the new heroes. So this is the first time that we see Black Panther in the MCU. So I think we should speak a little bit to the passing of Chadwick Boseman and just how impressive it is that he performed all these roles while battling with the cancer. Just a really heartbreaking story, but we, it has to be acknowledged. You know, rest in power to Chadwick and 
His performance will forever live on. He will be Black Panther for generations to come and in a way that's really inspiring what he did. You know, as sad as it is, it's also he he is a he is a superhero, you know, in real life. For sure. Yeah, uh Chadwick Boseman's passing uh, resonates with me personally. Um, I, I am dealing myself with personal health issues similar to that. And I don't have colon cancer or anything, but, um, you know, without getting into the details, his, his death hits me personally hard and mostly due to the surprise. Like you said, he, he, this was not publicly known um, until very recently, you know, right, right until he died, basically. And just to know he could have been dealing with this on top of fame and celebrity on top of you know working hard and all all accounts on set point to him being an amazing person to work with hard worker um and then also being physically fit i mean he's jacked you know and he's in really good shape and personally that's something that i struggle with dealing with the things that i'm dealing with too and it is it is really inspiring to know to see him as an example of what's what can be done rest in power yeah but the character of black panther let's take a little time to celebrate that here as well i am not at all familiar with him from the comics you know growing up he wasn't one of the comic book characters that came out of marvel of popularity early on you know in our childhood there was no black panther movie even though there'd be like a captain america tv show or i knew about the hulk and spider-man true i'd never even heard of black panther until the mcu so i came in blind and was just totally blown away at the the fun aspect of the character how he's in like a vibranium suit and like what that means for the combat and the type of combat that he does yeah you know what i mean oh yeah i am familiar with um, him from the comics uh, because i've read a lot of comics in my day I don't remember anything, any specific storylines that I've read with him, but I just know that he's appeared a bunch and they, they talk about the vibranium and all that. And, you know, to this point, up until this point, the, the only thing we know about Wakanda is that that's where vibranium comes from. Um, and you kind of get that they're like a secretive society or a secretive country. Uh, other than that, we don't know anything about them. And they tackle that in this movie with the um, outreach program that... Um, they're announcing at, at Vienna or at the Vienna conference, they talk about um, the Lagos incident where a humanitarian mm-hmm. team from Wakanda um, was there doing stuff. I, I, that's really unclear. But, you know, unfortunately caught in the crossfire of this, um, of the battle with Scarlet Witch and Captain America and all that. What I think is the coolest part about uh, the Black Panther and the Wakanda aspect is, is the vibranium. It's, of course, it's the unobtainium. It's the uh, fantastic fictional material that can do whatever the, the comics need it to do. But the way mm-hmm. that they weave that in to the technology and, and like you mentioned, the way that Black Panther fights due to the, his suit, it's so much fun and constantly evolving. And I think you know there is a Black Panther movie that we'll get to eventually and we get to see a lot more of those details specifically. But like you can see, we see in... This movie at the end, he catches a bullet with his quote unquote bare hand, with his gloved hand, just like puts his hand in front of the gun and the gun goes off and it's no big deal because vibranium absorbs all all vibrations. That's why it's called vibranium. But it's so, so fun. 
It, it really is a cool designed suit too. It has a nice oh, yeah. sleek aesthetic Very, to it. You know, you get the the cool woven like it's clearly a fabric, obviously. But how do you make a fabric out of metal? You know, it's the same material that the shield is made out of. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you go from this in, indestructible hard shield to a flexible, movable fabric that's you know. Who knows what other type of technology? It's very much like an Iron Man type suit too, but much more sleek and stealthy. And to be honest, I'm not sure if the vibranium is what's responsible for this aspect. But when Tony leaves the raft as he's going to Siberia, we get a little stealth craft with where we see Black Panther was following Tony the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's that invisibility technology that that Black Panther and Wakanda has developed. It's basically what's allowed Wakanda to stay secret for all these years. And again, kind of mixing that science and magic. Yep, very much so. That the the MCU does. Well, speaking of cool suits (laughs) and sleek new designs, our other new hero was Spider-Man. We got our first glimpse at Tom Holland portraying the role, and I think he was extremely true to Spider-Man form. I think they went hard comics with it, letting him be very talkative, youthful, and kind of, you know, ignorant to the bigger situation. He's just trying to live his life in Queens. He's got he's got algebra tests, you know, and he's dealing with maybe not having as much money. He's obviously dumpster diving and, you know, just trying to do scrape things by like that. Um, it's it's funny that you you mentioned him being true to the comics, which you're not wrong. But Spider-Man has been around for so long, there's been many iterations. There is a version of the comics that is adult Spider-Man as he, you know, lives in New York with uh, MJ. I think they're married, you know, at some point. And um, Mm -hmm. it's just funny that that you would think you latch onto the teenage teenage Spider-Man, teenage Peter Parker as part of the true comic books. But um, but yeah, very, very fun telling and Tom Holland. I think does a very good job of the nerdy kid, but he's also becoming more confident in his abilities. Like, you know, the Spider-Man, this is not a Spider-Man origin story podcast, but, uh, you know, he's a teenage boy when he gets bit by a spider and gets these fantastic powers. Previously, he was a scrawny, nerdy kid who likes computers. And then now all of a sudden he's strong, fast and can climb walls. Um, And Tom does a great job of showing how uncomfortable that can be for a teenage boy, especially when you, you can't tell anybody about it. Yeah, and he does a great American accent. I'm always impressed when uh, British people can pull off the American accent. And <laughs> I did not even know he was British until after I'd seen this movie. And you're watching like um, their uh, press circuit when they're, when they're doing interviews and stuff promoting the movie. Mm-hmm. I had no idea until after. Huh? Mark, mark of a good actor. Okay, our second stone consequences we get the formula from vision i have an equation oh that'll clear things up right Uh, where since the arrival of iron man both superhumans and world ending events have exponentially increased Mm -hmm. and that there's a lot of blood on the avengers hands it's something that i've kind of like been pointing to but i didn't know that the mcu would actually take it seriously I feel like in half my notes, I just have like so much death at one point because, yeah, the Hulk will be tearing through buildings or they're dropping a city 
there's been a lot of destruction with them around and now it's time to pay the piper so to speak Mm -hmm. yeah there's it's how much correlation does there have to be um before you start calling it causation you know Mm -hmm. I personally think it's a little unfair to point at Tony to say, you know, because since he became Iron Man, now all these other superpowered people have been coming forward, good on both sides, good and bad. Um, I think that's a little unfair to blame him for this, but it definitely does. It, it's like any movement where th- these people have existed, powered people have existed. I think, like the Spider Spider Man, didn't experiment on himself to try and get powers because of Iron Man, you know. Maybe uh, you could argue for um, the Maximoff twins being experimented on by Baron Von Strucker being a direct response. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yeah, I could see that one. But just in general, Tony does mark the start of it all. And I think he recognizes this and, you know, uh, he carries a lot of the guilt associated with it. Um, The world-ending events, who can say, right? The aliens invaded. Did they invade because Iron Man? Maybe. Did they invade because somebody else was experimenting with stuff? Whether you can blame Iron Man for the aliens invading New York or the other aliens, the Dark Elves invading, uh, you definitely can blame Tony and the Avengers for the collateral damage, or at least a portion of it. And Ultron. Yeah. I think, though, more than Tony being the start of it all, I think it's more Thor and Thor's arrival to Earth. Because then that gets Earth involved in all these, in, in all the other realms. And even Coulson talks about it and Fury talk about it where they, that's when they're like, we got to put together the Avengers. That's a good point. That's a good point. It, and uh, it, there, there is that scene in the Avengers on the helicarrier where Fury is pressed onto why they are trying to use the Tesseract to create nuclear weapons or, you know, the next, next nuclear weapons. And he just points to Thor and says, because of him. That's a good point. I think maybe before that, Iron Man is around, but he's just a high-tech prosthesis, as he likes to put it. And Stark was already designing missiles and things of that nature. It didn't change the status quo that much. If anything, he did provide more, quote-unquote, peace Mm -hmm. on Earth. That's true. For that small period of time. But that's all a matter of perspective, what peace is. You know, when you're being shot at, it doesn't feel so peaceful. Yeah. Peace is having a bigger stick than the other guy. Precisely. So these consequences result in what they're calling the Sokovia Accords. Basically, this agreement that the Avengers will work underneath a panel in the UN. Do I have that correct? Yep, that's the gist of it. Um, There is one more layer to it that is all superhuman must register. If you have powers, Mm. you have to give this panel, give uh, sign the Sokovia Accords, and you give them all your information. I guess, tell them <laughs> what your powers are, if you can even articulate it in words. And then uh, you, you agree to be trained by them to and, and basically work for them or retire and essentially never use your powers. It's kind of similar to that list that they had on S.H.I.E.L.D. The Index, yes. The Index. Yeah, it, it is similar, uh, however, not ma- mandatory. You know what I mean? Right. This is a more formal index and but that exactly exactly that highlights why this is a bad idea um one of the many reasons this is a bad idea is if that list falls into the wrong hands now you either have a list of uh super powered people that somebody could radicalize or 
could target if they're anti-superhumans and you know they could start targeting these people and take them off one by one if, if they had to which is the exact reason we didn't like the index in shield uh but the other other side of this is that un 117 countries ratified this and now they get to decide where the superhumans go and what the superhumans do it's not a great look you know I agree. Uh, you know, here in our next stone, I'm going to ask you which side you're on. So we'll save that. But it should be mentioned that shout out to the general, you and your mustache, you're back when I was told, oh, you don't need to watch The Incredible Hulk if you're going to watch through the MCU. <laughs> Wrong, people. How am I going to know the turn that the general has made? He has a heart now. There's a little beating heart inside of him. It's not very big. But there's definitely like this 1% of sweetness that you've never seen to him where he talks about on, on that backswing when he had the heart attack, he got something you can't get with 40 years of training, perspective. And while he's selling something, you can see like the way he even delivers information, there's something changed about the man. He might still be evil and driven, but you can tell that the, the edges have been rounded a little bit with him. I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I think it's all a sell. I think he's still as heartless as he's ever been. He's wow. taking this opportunity to psychologically torture Wanda by sho showing these images of, well, the attack on New York she had nothing to do with, but then s seeing Sokovia and then see, like, seeing her home being destroyed again, again on these videos, and then straight up blaming her for the people she killed in Lagos that she clearly feels for you know mm -hmm. steve has to tell him to cut it off you know that's enough I, I i don't think the general has changed one single bit well while the avengers are dropping bombs on people the general's just dropping truth bombs on the avengers so you can't hate him too much he's not lying at any point he's like hey you guys did this that's true. That's true. He's not lying. No, but uh, you know, I just I, I saw a glimmer in his eye. You know, maybe him and Liv Tyler have like rekindled their relationship <laughs> a little bit. I'd like to think that that's happening off screen. Let me have that, Lucas. Don't take this away from me. The same way that Vision almost took away Rhodey from the group. The last oh. consequence. That was emotional. I got worried because I play by the rule. If you see it, and they don't cut away. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, they just killed Rhodey. Yeah. They, I, I really thought for a second, and then they have the whole rehab thing. But I think like that scene would have hit even a little bit harder if Rhodey had actually passed away. I'm so glad that Don Cheadle will still be in more films in the MCU. Don't get me wrong, but as like a character, that would have been very poignant. I think it would have raised the stakes a little bit more. To be honest, okay, like I said, I like War Machine. I like Rhodey and Don Cheadle in the MCU, but him not dying feels kind of cheap. It does, a little bit, kind of like Chewbacca in the <laughs> most recent trilogy of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where you mm -hmm. think Ray killed yeah. him. Yeah, okay. Uh, obviously, a, a potentially career-ending injury, and that should not be taken lightly, but the loss of Tony's best friend would mean so much in the context of this story especially given the final scene final fight scene we have you know especially since vision did it and falcon is not equally but partially responsible too by dodging the bullet you know what i mean like he does that sweet tuck and roll to dodge the laser and then zoo, laser right into Rhodey's chest 
It's like a real trolley equation here. It is. <laughs> but speaking of all these conflicts, that actually brings us nicely into our third stone, which is kind of the central conflict of this film, and it is Steve versus Tony. Yes. Uh, and and this, this ties into the comics a lot, too. Um, it is Team Cap versus Team Tony. They're, they're the de facto leaders of each side, and, and we've seen them butt heads throughout the years. Um, yeah, this has definitely been building. We, I remember even in the Avengers episode, I was talking about how you see this conflict brewing between the two. They, they are just fundamentally different. They, they have different set of beliefs, and most of the time they line up pointing in the right direction, protecting people. I guess that's kind of the gist of it, but Cap has a very strong moral code for how to go about that, and so does Tony. They're just different. Neither of them are wrong. Again, kind of similar to Loki's plan like of peace. It wasn't wrong. It was insanely evil and, you know, uh, insanely evil. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. But in this one, like, Tony's posing the question, who avenges the Avengers? Kind of similar to, like, who watches the Watchmen? And then you get Steve on the other side talking about how agendas and systems are corruptible. Both are true things. Like, who does avenge the Avengers? Who keeps the Avengers in check? What if one of us decides to you know, all of a sudden just start murder people? Mm -hmm. You know, what what accountability is there? And on the other side, Steve is totally right. Like, we can't put ourselves under somebody else's thumb because what if that thumb ends up being a bad thumb? Right. And uh, I, I think how you go about achieving your goals, both have admirable goals, like you said. Neither one is wrong. But how they go about it is the difference maker. I think Black Widow has a, a troubling comment later on where Cap asks her why she signed. And she says, it's important that we stay together. It's more important that we stay together than how we stay together. And I think that is exactly wrong. It does matter how you stay together because this is why Tony ends up being the quote unquote bad guy, in my opinion. He has a good goal, but the way he wants to go about it is turning his friends into criminals and imprisoning them. And there's just a lot more going on behind the scenes that those details matter and are precisely why Steve wouldn't sign. Yes. And I would say that at the point at the airport, maybe Tony should have heard Cap's side of the story out because they had worked together for so long. There's many points where Tony needs to take a step back and listen to somebody's side. But you're right. I think at the at the airport scene, Tony is off the reservation. He's he's one step too far at that point. Oh, clearly, he's recruiting a kid to fight against Captain America, and like brainwashed him. Tony had some missteps in this film, but you know what? <laughs> Tony has done a lot of good. You know the the scales will even out. I feel like for him. But uh, I'm just gonna finish off this stone by asking, which side are you on? Team Cap all the way. I am too. Anti-registration, it's a slippery slope, right? You know, oh, man. There's so much nuance, obviously, but like once you sign, you can't unsign. Yeah, he, if anything, Steve's keeping his options open. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm, I'm on the cap side. Is, is that a sports reference? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, keeping your free agency options yeah. open. Yeah. You don't yeah, sign for the extension. Uh, our next stone, this is going to be a lot of you play a little teacher to the class here stone number four civil war history uh full 
spoilers for the whole comic book run here. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the comic book run, come back in like 10 minutes. Lucas, go. What are the differences? Tell us about the comic book series. The comic books are... First of all, they're awesome. I I greatly enjoyed reading it. It's a lot, like 160 plus issues. Wow. Because it's not just, you know, Civil War comic. It's not a Civil War comic series. It's like there are the Civil War comics that are the major events. But then every other comic series at the time, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, the Avengers even have their own comic series going in parallel and intertwining. And the whole comic universe is involved well the whole marvel-based comic no the the earth-based you know like thor well (laughs) so there's so many so many layers here but basically all the comics are intertwined and then they kind of sync up at these i think there's seven or eight major civil war issues so because there are so many and so many branches the x-men the fantastic four who we don't even see in the in the movies um there just are a lot of subplots that i'm probably not going to get into only if they matter um, in terms of major cinema developments but the basic gist of the civil war is the same where there's a tragic event caused by superpowered people um sokovia in the movies uh, and um new haven connecticut in the comics that leads to increasing legislative pressure to create this what we know as the sokovia accords in the comics it's the superhuman registration act um the comics are very U.S. focused. It's all U.S. politics, U.S. legislation, U.S. based Avengers, you know, all that stuff. Um, right. While the comics are very international, we get Wakanda and Sokovia, all because it's the whole international incident. Um, the MCU has been very global up to this point, you know, started in New York with the Avengers, but then um, Thor 2 in London, you know. We went, we went to like 10 different countries in this film alone. We're all around the world. That's true. Uh, and I think that that just kind of furthers that sense of Earth. You know, it is a global global issue. Uh, and I, I like it. I, I like the movie's treatment of it being a global issue because it, it truly is. Um, in the comics, they go even one step further with the Superhuman Registration Act to the 50 State Initiative where they want to create superhuman teams like mini Avengers, essentially, um, in every state. So if you sign up and register under the Superhuman Registration Act, you could be forced to move to Maine to be the the superhero for Maine. And you report to like the home office in D.C. or whatever. It's it's a troubling system. I'll say the comics go a lot stronger in the negative repercussions for the registration. Mm, Okay. Um, In the movies, you have the option to just retire as Hawkeye did. He didn't want to sign. So he just hangs up his bow, and goes and lives on the farm, right? Mm-hmm. In the comics, if you don't sign, you go to jail for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. And not just any jail, uh, like a, a real superhuman jail. Like the underwater jail that they were put in in Civil War? Yeah, it's actually floating. It's called the raft. Um, but yes, very cool. Um, I, I think I'll get, I'll, I'll put a pin in that one later for the, the jail part. Okay. So major differences in the comics and the movies, I think are notably the characters that we see obviously iron man spider-man cap the the main core is the same but thor notably absent from this movie um and he was very present in the comics sort of (laughs) it's okay um so which side was he on in the comics he's on team tony but not by choice 
I think. Uh, Thor is actually off-world on Asgard. Well, he's off dealing with Ragnarok, the end of Asgard, which is, you know, a topic for a future time. But Thor is not on Earth. Tony, in his infinite wisdom, decides to create a clone uh, using some DNA samples he pulled from Thor's hair and create a, uh, let's say, chemically imbalanced clone of Thor who ends up killing Goliath in a battle and, you know, when, the, when the two, ti- two teams clash. So that's kind of a ma- major event that happens in, uh, in the comics that obviously we don't see here. And Goliath is not really present in the, um, in the movies, but we do get a little bit of Goliath with Ant-Man going giant. So I think they, they like to do that part. Um, the other, uh, on the topic of Goliath and Ant-Man, Hank Pym is the central Ant-Man in the comics version of this story. Scott Lang is still present, but he's just, they coexist essentially. Um, but Hank Pym plays a much larger anti-Tony role, as usual. <laughs> but in the comics, Ultron was Hank's fault, correct? Correct. Uh, but, okay. but so important to note, since you brought up Ultron, that the Civil War in the comics is not a result of Ultron. Right, it's a part of the Connecticut New Haven. Yeah, uh, I, I guess a, a little bit on that disaster. It's it's much more similar to the Wanda situation in Lagos. They're on a mission. Maybe some slightly inexperienced uh, superheroes. Somebody blows up a elementary school, I believe, and like a ton of kids are killed. It's it's awful. It's it's really bad. So it's very much uh, something went wrong, not like a global world-ending event that we saved the world from, but also happened to kill a lot of people. Slightly different tone, I think. So what's the outcome in the comics? I, I think we'll get there. Uh, there's a major difference in the Spider-Man character, which I want to touch on because it highlights the, a big difference in the movie and the comics where um, I started to talk about earlier the teen versus adult Spider-Man. Spider-Man in the comics Civil War is an adult. He's a uh, mid- middle-aged, I don't know, 30-year-old guy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, working, obviously being Spider-Man on the side. MJ, Aunt May are all there. Um, he ends up on Tony's side, or on the same side here, uh, on the pro-registration, and ends up publicly revealing his identity. Um, the I am Peter Parker scene is uh, kind of supposed to mimic the I am Iron Man scene uh, in, in this, in the MCU, you know, he goes, gives a press conference and then pulls off his mask. I am Spider-Man. Uh, my name is Peter Parker. I'm Spider-Man. Um, and well, wouldn't you know it? That has the exact consequence that everybody thought it would. Uh, people, bad guys start targeting his family and Aunt May gets shot. Does he then flip in the comics? Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. He goes to team cap on that, on that side. Notably absent from the movies, I think as we've talked before, is the X-Men slash mutant side. It's complicated, obviously, for contract reasons, why, why, why they don't include the mutants in the X-Men. Um, but in the, in the comics, this registration thing has actually been a big point in the X-Men series for a long time. And this is an evolution of that. So the X-Men, the mutants, are obviously very anti-registration already. And that causes some rifts because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the X-Men Storm. I am. Great. Uh, Halle Berry. Yes, Halle Berry. Yep. She's, uh, in the comics, is Queen of Wakanda and married to Black Panther. Oh, interesting. And they end up being on opposite sides of this. And it's 
intense. <laughs> wow, Wakanda Civil War. Yeah, really. Um, especially because both the king and queen of Wakanda have the, essentially have the power to mobilize the army, if, you know, however you want to look at that. Now, the big difference here at the end is, is what you were trying to get me, trying to get to earlier. What happens? Well, who, who wins the movies? Let me, let me ask you that. Who won in this in film? In the movie, yeah. Nobody won. I, I can definitely see that side, but I would say that Cap won that fight at the end, right? Like, yes. he walks away. I guess it's live to fight Leaves another the day. Shield. Yeah, he does leave the shield. Right. Oh my gosh. But so many friendships were lost, which is the real loss of the film. That's true. And that theme is, very, is similar in the, well, is shared in the comics and the movie. Uh, but in the comics, Tony wins. Like, blatant or outright. There's no, no dispute because Cap surrenders. He's tired of all the bloodshed of, you know, other characters have died. You know, friends have died, and uh, Cap said, enough's enough. And as he is uh, being paraded out, essentially, um, as his surrender, he is shot by crossbones and dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who's crossbones? Uh, yes. So, you know that guy that they were fighting in Lagos? Mm-hmm. That guy. Oh, so did some comic book fans, when they saw him, and th this was called Civil War, did they think that... Absolutely, and he, with the suicide vest, we, I'm like, oh, n uh, no! <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a big, a big final scene, not final, uh, a big scene, big moment for Tony, sitting there over Cap's body, with his helmet in his hands, and just says, it wasn't worth it. Too a little too late, huh, Tony? Damn. Yeah. Okay. What a history lesson. Oh man. That's, Thank you, Lucas. So much is left out. I can't even can't oh, even begin. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure people listening to this are just screaming right now. <laughs> but what about it? But what? Uh, hey, we only have so much time here. Lucas can only teach you so much. You know, if go out and read the comics yourself. Definitely worth the time. Or just email us. Send us in. Let it, let us know what we're forgetting. Please, please. Hello at begonia.fm. Do it. All right. Number. Five, stone, action sequences. Now we're running a little bit long here, so we cannot do what we did in Winter Soldier, <laughs> where we talked about the action sequences for like 30 minutes. But let's quickly touch on these. We've touched we've we've talked a lot about Lagos already. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else to add there with that scene? Uh I guess props to Black Widow. Like she's a champ in that scene. Riding the scooters. I have my notes. Black Widow's a bamf. Yeah, I said yeah. scooter. I meant a, a motorcycle. Um, riding the scooter. Dang it. Riding the motorcycle, running through. She and Rhodey are teaming up very well, communicating on the radios. You go left, I go right. Awesome. And then she does that sick shoot, dive, catch, flip up, catching the chemical weapon. Awesome. Black Widow, perfect in that scene. Yeah, nice action from everybody, really, in this scene. Good work from Sam. Yeah. And and you could see them. I was happy to see Sam. Yeah, and you see them uh, teaming up well with uh, Wanda throwing people up and Falcon kicking them. That kind of thing really shows that they are training behind the scenes in the uh, New Avengers Initiative, as we've seen. Right, and even Wanda like throwing Cap into the building. He's like, just like we practiced. Yes. Oh, good catch. Yeah. Good catch. Thanks, man. I'm paying attention. <laughs> uh, sec second action scene is bringing in Bucky. Is what I've called it. It's the right at the 45 minute mark incredible action scene starting in the apartment yep. 
then to the rooftops, and then Black Panther has entered the chat yep. out of nowhere in his suit for the very first time. Oh, his invisible jet. Oh, it was so cool. And then uh, the tunnel where they're on foot, car, motorcycle. So great. It's insane. They're just running. Yeah. They're hoofing it faster than these cars. Oh, it's great. And Cap's like, nah, I ain't running. Let me get in the car. <laughs> Yeah, you got to figure he's got to fatigue at some point. I know he's running all those laps, but come on, man. Yep. Uh, really, really cool. It just builds upon itself. I love a good rooftop chase. Who doesn't? And the way he gets there, too. I, I want to backtrack to the apartment super fast. Uh, Please. Cap is there, and then is Bucky hiding and then shows himself? Or I think Cap was already there, and Bucky gets home because we see him at the newsstand or whatever. So Bucky gets home, and they start talking kind of testing the waters who's is uh is bucky good or is he winter soldier but then he punches through the floor and throws the backpack across and you think he's gonna go right after it but he's that's too high he can't run. he can't make that jump so he's got to go down the stairs a couple flights and then jump across i loved it super well done that staircase in general too is such a fun scene it's <sighs> like we're seeing them work together for the first time but they're not even really together right? it's like come on man Bucky's throwing him off and Cap's catching him. It's like Bucky is testing Cap at the same time. He knows Bucky's not trying to kill anybody. Um, and I think I, I, that's, I guess, a personal opinion. But um, he's also like throwing people at Cap and making Cap make the save. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So great. He grabs the railing and like rides it down like a vine. Very cool. And it's uh, very unclear also like, how strong that arm is i like the ambiguity of mm -hmm. it how much like tension is that putting on his like real life shoulder and things like that this is what i'm talking about this is my only nitpick with the science and of the of all these things like tony trying to lift me all near with just his glove like you got to put the whole suit on man but mm -hmm. yeah in any case uh bucky's escape is the next action scene. The only thing I want to touch on is Cap holding onto the helicopter. Oh, man. A real holy shit moment. Yes. <laughs> and classic bodybuilding pose, too, where he's one arm outstretched, yeah. one arm bent. Get it, Chris Evans. Oh. You put in the work, you get your glamour shot here. The sun's hitting him just mm -hmm. right. The beads of sweat. It's beautiful. Um and then the, the big action set piece of the film, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the airport scene. Mm -hmm. This is another one of those, like the circle Avengers shot that I talked about in the Avengers yep. film where I'm like, I've seen this a number of times in advertisements. Yep. So I was so excited when it was like about to kick off when they're talking trash. It's just Tony and Cap and War Machine and then Black Panther shows up and then Black Widow shows up. Underoos. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Spider-Man popping in. And then once they have a visual on the airplane, Cap holds up his hands yep. for Hawkeye to shoot it. It's like it was planned. A little bit reminiscent, you know, of uh, Luke uh, Skywalker in Return of the Jedi when Jabba the Hutt is pushing him on to the plank above the pit. And he kind of gives that little signal to R2 and R2 shoots the lightsaber to him. I got a little bit of that vibe going on. You're blowing my mind right now. Oh. It makes so much sense. I'm so mad that I didn't think of it. You know what? That's why we make a good team, Lucas. <laughs> but I, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Such a fun Scott Lang mm. in this scene when he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have the planes like, uh, uh, was it Hawkeye has them there? He's like, buckled in. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good, arrow guy. And he's like holding <laughs> on to the front of the arrow. Yes. <laughs> 
shoots him up there, and then later with Tony's suit. Yes. Tony's like, who's speaking? He's like, it's your conscience. We don't talk a lot these days. Yep. Scott Lang is awesome. Paul Rudd is a gem and crucial to the escape of, uh, of Cap and Bucky in this scene, too. We, we get the first giant man appearance um, that I, I, I wanted to talk about so bad in, uh, in the Ant-Man episode. But this is essentially, this, this technology is essentially how Scott was able to escape from the quantum realm. So he, he flipped his shrinking juice into his unshrinking juice and then reverse shrinked into giant man, basically. I, I also love that he's totally only done this once in the, in the lab and then passed out and he's just about to do it in real life in a battle. I think he had said he had done it a number of times and the one time it like worked kind of he passed yep. out. Not, not encouraging <laughs> words to hear, yeah. but... If I tear myself in half, just leave me. You're going to tear himself in half? It's great. Uh, but that ends with Rhodey going down, one of the consequences. Mm-hmm. And then the final action set piece, Tony versus Steve and Bucky. Great choreography, great lines given to the performers. Mm-hmm. They can really just chew it up while they're there. And I, I don't know, I I was on edge during that scene because it's pretty late in the film. I'm like, they might kill one of these three. Yep. A lot of distance traveled in... in- in this scene too, where we start in the basically in the missile silo, but where the where the Winter Soldiers are kept, and then they go up the silo because Bucky's trying to escape out. Tony shuts the lid on him, and so they go down the exhaust, and we we are with them every step of the way. And oh my gosh, this is some brutal fighting. Like, I mean, I don't know if you're a, if you're a it's captain, personal. It is personal. Although this is another moment where I think Tony needs to step back and listen to somebody's side of the story. like Definitely. But can you be rational about your parents? I mean, that is a lot to put on Tony. He he already has a lot on his heart and plate. And then you give him that little extra incentive. I mean, he could snap. I I agree. I think that's a very human thing of Tony. Of course, he should take a step back. Everybody should in this case. Everybody needs to walk away and cool off but yeah you can't you can't be like oh just not understanding where he's coming from i agree i I agree it would be it would be difficult to confront your parents death and your parents killer in that moment then again this this gets very dangerous into diminishing loss and tragedy but it was 26 years ago tony's had a lot of time to cope with this and we see him coping with it in the beginning of the film with his uh, virtual reality thing, binarily augmented retro framing, barf. I think Tony is dealing with it and has dealt with it personally in a lot of ways. That's why I think his reaction here is a little too strong. Okay, that, that, that's fair. I would say maybe he didn't face the fact that his parents were murdered, maybe. Or, you know, like it was a hit specifically on them. He might have just seen it as bad luck. It was always framed as a car cra- a tragic car crash, and they died in the crash. I can, I can see that changing things for him. He hadn't processed that, but I, I get what you're saying. And everybody should cool off, but quite a scene. And it, oh, it evolves so much, too, with Cap being defensive, and then Cap basically sacrificing himself to let Bucky escape. And then now, Bucky goes down, and <laughs> Tony brutally destroys the arm with the the unibeam the chest beam thing oh my gosh 
one one question I have for Tony is <laughs> at the end to where to where Tony's about to quote unquote win this fight. Um, he's mm-hmm. losing back up against the wall, and he says, "Friday, analyze his fight pattern." Why didn't you start with that? It, you had the power to scan his body language. Maybe do it to Bucky too. Scan their body language, analyze it, and and then win. But no, he he waited the last second, and then obviously you're not going to beat Captain America hand to hand. He can he can just change up his fighting style. He, whatever you just scanned, don't care. He 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 just changed it up. Like he says, he could do this all day. I am I am disappointed that Tony didn't come up with a particular piece of technology to catch all of them, but he isn't thinking rationally, so I'm not holding it against him. No, he's not him. Batman either. Yeah, very true. All right, our last stone, the sixth stone, a divided Avengers, also uh, known as the Cap, aftermath. Sam Scott, <laughs> where, also known as the aftermath. Where do we go from here? This is. <laughs> <laughs> but the teams have been set. Like I was saying, there, uh, Cap, Sam Scott, Scarlet Witch. Bucky, Black Panther, Hawkeye on one side, Tony Vision, Spider-Man, Rhodey on the other, unclear with Black Widow, Thor, and Banner. Yeah. Funny, oh, well, not funny. Um, in point, worth pointing out, Black Panther has switched sides at this point. Mm-hmm. He is, he's well, realized. Can't blame the guy. Yeah, he's realized that yeah, he the was. the of his ways. <laughs> he's realized that he's been chasing the wrong guy the whole time and causes him to rethink a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those lines are pretty clear at this point. Tony Vision, Spider-Man, Rhodey, that's kind of a small team. Um, Black Widow, I still think she's... She did sign the Accords, so I don't know. I guess legally she's still on Team Tony, but she did help to, uh, Cap escape. Mm, who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Thor, uh, absent. He's off dealing, doing Asgard stuff. He's doing stuff. I... It- Hulk absent as well. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Actually, I'll, I'll wait till we get to the JLA top three, Black Widow's decision there. But uh, I, I, I'm excited to see how they're going to reunite because at some point they're going to have to reunite because Thanos is coming. We know that. They, you know, there's uh, an Infinity Stone on Vision. They've been involved in these galactic events a number of times. Thanos has stated he's going to do it himself. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a conflict at some point to where they're going to have to unite. So looking forward to when that happens, because I don't like all these friends and bromances getting messed up. I guess they're not all bromances. You got some Scarlet Witch and vision there seems to be like some classic romance going on there mm-hmm. but in any case we got to move on categories after these words this episode is brought to you by mammoth cooler mammoth cooler makes professional grade coolers drinkware and more they are ready for anything from a day at the beach to an extended camping trip and everything in between Mammoth Icebergs are stainless steel reusable drink chillers think of them like space age ice cubes Tony probably could have used a couple of these on his wicked black eye after the uh, Vienna attack. Mm-hmm. They, they got a lot of injuries going on in general. Yeah. They could use some of these icebergs. And Tony said it himself. Next time I won't be wearing a silk shirt, right? He had no, he had mm-hmm. no armor that time. Built with 18-8 kitchen-grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, they will keep your drink cold or your eyes for up to two hours on a single freeze. The best part is the icebergs won't water down your drink. Keep that whiskey pure and are completely reusable. Just toss them back in the freezer. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. 
visit www.mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. I want to thank Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Welcome back, Lucas. Pick your power. Uh, this is the first time that it's like hard to choose because there's so many good ones out there. Mm-hmm. That's why my mind out too. So many choices. <laughs> I'm going to go with Spider-Man on this one. First time we've seen him. Wow. Childhood hero. I'm a bit off tony at this point you know i'm not uh, tony come on so many bad choices mm-hmm. you de- yeah tony's brain not looking so good now huh <laughs> no it's not uh so yeah spider-man they they did him right not um saying that he created his own webbing but he's still got the spidey sense agility and strength and can climb walls mm-hmm. and the power of and youth he's of in a tech he's in a technology you're in a technology Absolutely. i get it i get it i'm going with cap's resolve stone cold I mean, yeah he can't touch it. It, it, it it's incredible it's, i'm like i wish i had that for like anything in life anything. i wish i felt that strongly about anything that cat feels about this it's so admirable mm-hmm. I, I really mm, i'm a little jealous but you know more reverential than anything sure. who's your hero i'm gonna go with sharon carter on this one wow that speech mm-hmm. top notch powerful not to mention yeah. she somehow gets the wings and the shield out of the lockup after uh, Bucky escapes. Clutch. I mean, without that, I mean, Cap is still Cap, obviously, but Falcon. Sorry, Sam, you're a great guy, but uh, not that not, not as useful in the fight on the airport. You know, it is inconceivable to me that Falcon does not wear a helmet. He's going into thinner air all the time, and he could fall. And that he's just wearing goggles. It, yeah. It seems incredibly impractical, but yeah. maybe he can get a suit improvement. We'll see. My hero is Scott. Scott Lang. Scott Lang. Yeah. Just really the hero in the film and for me as a viewer. It was fantastic. Yeah. Really liked it. Uh, where does this uh, does, does unofficial... Does anybody have any orange slices? <laughs> <laughs> That's a halftime reference for those outside the Midwest. Uh, what do you got for your unofficial rating? Your unofficial ranking, pardon me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pre preseason ranking. This one, number five. Pretty high up there. Re rewatchability is high. Um Yep. Ranking as we go now. Number one. This is Whoa. Oh yeah. I dethroned New number one. Yeah, dethroned Cap Two. You know. Uh, I think possibly the number of times I've watched Cap Two is uh is hurting it in this moment um but civil war oh my gosh it's so good and it's long so like you can just like watch the first half and still get a lot yep. out of it and not feel burnt out for the whole film i get it yep it's like i can watch three three episodes of tv i'll watch it on three different nights you know 45 ish minutes each uh, other than that no changes you know just displace the top everything else shifted down okay noted uh my rating for this film i'm giving it four out of five secret winter soldiers <laughs> um and then I, I teased it earlier the J Lee top three we're adding a hall of fame wing to the J Lee top three to where they'll no longer be considered in the current rankings we're just going to honor them for all time and the first two inductees are anthony and peggy hall of famers mm-hmm. J Lee top three years black widow held on to her one seed 
just because of that move for Cat. Yep. When I was watching this film and she like was like, I'm going to sign the accord. I'm like, you're signing your way off the number one seed, Black Widow. Yep. But that was clutch coming in. I think she did just enough. But Sam did move up from three to two. He jumped Loki. So now we got Black Widow, Sam, Loki, Gamora. Okay. That's the top okay. four. And if I had to have a fifth, I would probably I would go Scarlet Witch or Black Panther. Okay, okay. I, I really liked both of them in, in the new film. And I, Scott doesn't... Scott is like almost too main character-ish to be on like the Jaylee top three. I, I can see that. You know I what I mean? This is more for like the, the supporting cast, but... Scott has to probably be recognized at some point. Maybe we'll get Scott on the list next week and we'll immediately just induct him into the Hall of Fame and move on. <laughs> him and Anthony can be there together. Uh, and Sitwell is still the worst. Always the worst. L- Lucas, one minute on the clock. What do we miss? All right. So much in the comics. I, I want to say the, I like this treatment of the story because it really makes it, it, it makes it harder. The, I think in the comics... The, t- the team Tony is so much worse. The the Sokovia Accords, well, the um, Superhuman Registration Act is so mm-hmm. much worse, so much more authoritarian and fascist than than the Sokovia Accords. Like just the fact that you have the option to retire as as Hawkeye chose, um, and then came back. But on that note, they developed a superhuman prison called Project Forty Two, which is a superhuman prison that exists in the negative zone. Uh, for the team cap or the anti-superhuman registration superpowered people to be interned forever that's dark and there's no escape well it is incredibly difficult to escape escape from the negative zone it's not just a prison it's a prison but it's also in between dimensions or in the negative dimension and uh it's just it's real bad man it's real bad yeah that sounds brutal but i'm also like weirdly very interested to read it We'll see. We'll see when we when I when I finish this MCU how much Marvel stuff I pick <laughs> up after the fact because Lucas is already trying to get me to watch the rest of Agents of yeah. Shield. So and the other Netflix, not all of them, but the other Netflix shows, Punisher for one. Punisher has a big role in the comics, eh, big ish role. He's Team Cap, but Punisher, you know, since if you don't know very much about the character, he's a vigilante. He kills people um but he he only kills quote-unquote bad guys you know it's a blurry line but cap does not approve of punisher but punisher wants to be on his team and cap goes off and beats the shit out of the punisher and he's like fight back fight back and punisher's like no not not against you i I can't fight you because it's captain america man because he's the the goodest of the good exactly in this case yeah that makes me it's crazy that spider-man in this movie kicks captain america in the face kicks him in the face unbelievable he does it's unclear how strong spider-man is i was surprised how he hung in as well but uh we'll see that we're we're gonna watch spider-man film very soon these films are flying by now it feels we're we're definitely on the back nine here but uh we've just begun man want to thank it oh boy (laughs) i want to thank everybody for listening if you have any questions or feedback send an email to hello at begonia.fm or reach out to us on twitter and instagram at perlustration fm for our next episode we will be watching the 2016 film dr strange (laughs) directed by scott derrickson 
A big thanks to Mammoth Coolers for sponsoring this episode. Lucas, take us out. I knew I should have stretched. Okay, post-credit scene. Bucky got frozen again, and Black Panther is going to look after him. Yes, so we are in Wakanda for the first time here. Bucky's got his arm ripped off, blasted off, so they got they got to they got to deal with that. Um, Bucky, I think is he's Bucky's turning the turning the corner to become a hero. Um, he wants to remove the brainwashing. He knows it's unsafe for him to be out there, especially because somebody was able to find that red book and learn Russian and and trigger him um it could happen again Mm -hmm. yeah and i think this is the first being the first time we see wakanda uh we just get a glimpse of the technology they have available it's a super advanced society and we just don't know anything about them because they've remained secret so very excited to to spend some time there same here uh second post-credit scene was like a just small spider-man teaser ah yes very fun (laughs) <laughs> Aunt May, he got beat up. It's like I was gonna fight with Steve from no, no, Steve from Twelve C. No, no, you don't know him. Well, she probably does know him. Yeah, that's true. I like Marissa Tomei. I I prefer an old Aunt May, but you know that's that's whatever. That's what the comic nerds argue about in the, in the Spider Man movies. The young Aunt May. Oh, get over it. Age is just a yep. number. Everybody, yep. be who be who you want to be. Any of you out there, you want to be an Aunt May? You be an Aunt May. <laughs>